If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 17 together. Let me ask you a question this morning. What is it that you are thankful for? Think about that for a moment. What is it that you are thankful for this morning? I'm going to circle back around in a few minutes and ask you that question again. I read an illustration about a policeman that was walking his beat in Chicago back in the 1900s. And he observed a man standing before a little mission. This man had removed his hat, and the officer thought there was just something strange about him. So thinking the man might be drunk or thinking that he was ill, the officer went up to him. And when he got close to him, he noticed that the man's head was bowed and his eyes were closed. And the police officer says, what's the matter, sir? Are you sick? And the man looked up and he smiled and he said, no, sir, my name is Billy Sunday. I was converted right here at this mission. And I never passed this mission without stopping and praying and thanking the Lord for saving me right here. Billy Sunday was a professional baseball player who would later become an evangelist. And it is said that he preached before more millions of people before Billy Graham started his ministry. He was thankful for his salvation. It is said that the early Christians never met without invoking God's blessing and never parted without a word of thanksgiving. This morning, we're looking at Paul's thankfulness. Paul is a hero of mine, as I'm sure that he is a hero of most of us in this room. This man was, was one of the greatest champions the church has ever seen. Even today, looking back at, at, at Christendom, we could still say that to be true. He wrote 13 of our New Testament books and was instrumental in taking the gospel to not only the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. He was instrumental in taking the gospel to the known world of his day. And he wrote these words um, to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He wrote, to my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. At night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship Though many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me, uh, on me, of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. If if it could have gone wrong, man, Paul was the one that experienced it. Right, year after year, this man was found to be in opposition to the church and to the religious leaders. Even though he experienced these cruelties, he still demonstrated a spirit of thankfulness. 
Look with me at the words Paul penned in 1 Timothy. He wrote, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemy, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, Paul is writing to his young apprentice, Timothy. Timothy is a pastor at the church in Ephesus. Paul spent about three years in Ephesus, and during that time, he trained and equipped not only Timothy, but, but many others as well. But when Paul left that church, he appointed Timothy to lead and pastor that. And in an attempt to encourage his young disciple, Paul used his life and his testimony as an example of what God could do through a vessel that was totally yielded and surrendered to him. You know, there are so many things that I love about Paul, but one thing I love most is that he never strayed too far from his salvation experience. He never forgot the day that he was saved. And may that be said of us, that we never forget the day that Jesus saved us. I mean, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you really stopped to think about that day that Jesus saved you? You know, for me, you know, I spend so much time preparing for ministry and preparing for sermons and doing the work of ministry that I often forget that moment when I was 12 years old that Jesus saved me. But Paul, man, he never strayed too far from his salvation experience. Our first point this morning is that Paul's life was radically changed. Paul knew what he was saved from. He knew just how wretched he was before Christ, and he knew how free he was because of Christ. Do you realize that this morning? How free you are because of Christ? Now, I think it's important that, that you and I definitely remember the moment of our salvation. We remember to an extent what our life was like before Christ, but we can't live in that world anymore, right? You and I were saved from our past mistakes. We were saved from our past failures. We were saved from our past wicked ways. We were saved from the past. Jesus removed our sinfulness as far as the east is from the west, and he buried in the sea of forgetfulness. He forgot our sin, and we must learn to do that as well. So we need to remember that moment of our salvation, but we don't need to dwell on what our life was like before Christ. We're going to spend a few more, uh, a, a little bit more time talking about that in a moment. But when we are first introduced to Paul, he was an enemy of the church, and he was an enemy of Christ. He was about destroying the church, not building up the church. And Scripture tells us that he was present the day that Stephen was stoned. Stephen, as you know, is one of the very first martyrs um, uh, um, post the Holy Spirit coming down upon the, the early church believers. 
Stephen was stoned for his faith, and we are told that, that Paul was present that day that Stephen was stoned. Um, we hadn't yet been introduced to him. It would be after that stoning that we're told that, that all of those that were responsible for stoning Stephen laid their coats at the feet of Saul, who was, would become Paul. Scripture doesn't tell us why they laid their garments at his feet, but clearly you can see that Paul was a key, a key leader. He was well respected. And he may have even been calling the shots that day, we don't know. But later, Paul would be given authority by the religious leaders to go to Damascus to arrest anyone belonging to Christ. Anyone belonging to the church. And you know the story. It would be on that road to Damascus that the Lord would get a hold of Paul, the Lord would save Paul, and the Lord would set Paul free. And we, we know that Paul frequently would remember that moment of his salvation. Notice our second point this morning. Because of Paul's salvation, he was thankful. In verse 12 we read, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Let me ask you a question this morning again. What are you thankful for? I mean, I know myself, I'm thankful that the Lord saved me. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for this church family. I'm thankful for my Friends, and I'm thankful that I get to serve alongside with you in ministry. What are you thankful? Just from where you're at this morning. Okay, we're going to do some audience participation this morning. Yell out where you're at, what you're thankful for this morning. You ready? One, two, three. Okay, let's do it one more time. What are you thankful for? Amen. Man, there's so many things that were just mentioned there. All of us have a lot to be thankful for. You know, this past Sunday, we concluded our upward season with our end of the year award ceremony in this room. At the conclusion of the night, one of Danny's um, players came up to her and gave her a sweet um, card and gift certificate. And I want to read to you, you can see this card up here, and, and spelling's a little off a little bit, but it says, Dear Coach Danny, thank you for being my coach. For the season, and I wish you could be my coach again. Here is $20 for Target from Peyton. I like the other side, stuff you will most likely like cookies and cream Hershey's, vinegar and onion Pringles, and lemons for lemonade. I love that card when Nanny read that to me. It just shows me just the innocence of this young man and, and the simplicity of, of, of his, his thankfulness. And we need to be thankful for the little things in life as well as for the big things. Notice Paul was thankful for his ministry. Paul clearly understood that which he was saved from and appointed to. And he was thankful to God for entrusting him with the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ. Each of us in this room have been saved. And all of us should be thankful for that. All of us should regularly remember this. Satan. Okay, think about him for just a moment. What does he do? He constantly likes to remind us of our life before Jesus. He likes to remind us of all the bad things that we did, 
and all the bad things that we still do. He tries to cloud our minds with, this, with that kind of stuff to keep us from reminding him that we belong to Jesus and that we were saved from all of those things that the devil frequently brings up. In fact, notice what we read in Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. The psalmist wrote, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You know, the Lord remembers our sin no more. But never forget that the devil remembers it, and he is often going to bring it up to us. That is why it is so important for us as believers to walk in the Spirit of the Lord and to fill our minds with the Word of God. When the devil reminds us of our past, let us remind him of his future. Now, just like Paul, at the moment of his salvation, Paul was appointed to be a minister of the gospel. So were we. Notice what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice what this verse says. It says that we are saved by grace, okay? Nothing of our own doing. Our salvation was 100% an act of God. We were saved also through faith. Faith is believing in God. It is believing that God will bring to pass everything that he said he would do. But we were also saved unto good works. You and I have been saved for good works. We have been saved just as Paul was for service and for ministry. May all of us in this room use the platforms the Lord has given us to serve him and to be a minister to others. And that's what Paul was grateful for. He was grateful for his salvation, but he was grateful also for what he was saved to do. Paul was also thankful for God's strength. Paul recognized that he could not do what he did without the strength of the Lord. Everything he did would have been useless without the strength of the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, we read, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Paul, as we read earlier, over the course of his life, think about this. Man, he was in prison multiple times. He was beaten countless times. He received 39 lashes five times. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He went without food. He went without sufficient clothing. He went without shelter. And without the strength of the Lord, he would not have been able to overcome those afflictions, would he? In fact, Paul would write in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Every one of us in this room can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens us. You know, a lot of times when we read that verse, we think that that means that we're going to be this, this fantastic athlete. Man, we're going to have these bulging muscles and all of those different things. Yeah, the Lord can give us that kind of strength, but what this kind of strength that Paul is talking about is spiritual strength. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got all the spiritual muscles that you need. Now, those muscles need to be developed. Those muscles need to be strengthened, and that happens as we study and read God's Word and, 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 and become the ambassadors that Christ set us apart to be. Notice our next point. Paul reflects on God's goodness. In verses 13 through 15, we read, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent man, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. John MacArthur said, The grace of God was especially vivid in Paul's mind because of his past. As a great sinner, he needed great grace. All of us can attest to that, right? All of us were once great sinners in need of great grace. And guess what? At the moment of your salvation, you received that great grace. All of us did, right? Next, we are reminded that God is merciful. Paul knew that he did not deserve the grace given to him by the Lord. He knew that he did not deserve the platform the Lord had given him to preach the gospel. He, as he called himself, was the worst of all sinners. He referred to himself being a blasphemer, being a persecutor, being an enemy of the church. He referred to himself as, as, as going to Damascus to arrest believers. Paul recognized the wrong that he had done, but he had also recognized that he had repented of his past actions and was grateful for the Lord's mercy. You and I may not have opposed the church like Paul did. We may have not ever harmed believers before we came to faith in Jesus. But the words Jesus spoke to his disciples are just as true today. Matthew twelve thirty, we read, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now, are you for the Lord? Or are you against the Lord? Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Are you an individual that has spent all of your days running from the Lord? Notice next, salvation is extended to all. In verse 15 we read, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Think about where you are today. Think about how your salvation how your life has changed since the moment of, that, of your salvation. You know, it should put a smile on our face, shouldn't it? When we think about to what we were saved from, we should have a big old smile on our face. Now, some of us in this room, we were saved at a young age, okay? You know, I've told you before, I, I promise you I've done worse post my salvation than I ever did before my salvation. Some of you, on the other hand, man, you, you were saved later in life. And when you reflect on your life before Christ, you're like, man, who was that person? But now, think about who you are and look at who you are. 
Look what you have been saved from and look what you have been saved unto. We serve a good God, don't we? We serve a God that has taken our sin and removed them as far as the east is from the west. And we serve a God that, that has given us a future. A future not a, only here on earth, but also an eternal future. Paul would go on to write in verses 16 and 17, our final point this morning, is Paul, Paul focuses on the future. He wrote, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul not only knew from what he was rescued from, but he also knew what he was saved unto. He knew that he had a purpose. Do you know that you have a purpose also? What is your purpose today? If you were to think about your purpose today, what would you say that purpose is? You know, some of you may think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. I'm 70 years old. I'm 80 years old. I'm almost 90 years old. Man, I don't have a purpose anymore. I, I'm just kind of just taking up space and breathing in air. I want you to know that as long as you're still breathing, you still have a purpose. There is still a ministry that God has for you to do. The question is, are you tapping in to whatever it is that God is calling you to do? Paul recognized the weightiness of the responsibility he had to advance the gospel. Young Timothy was a disciple of Paul. Paul knew that the Lord had entrusted Timothy to his care, and he had a responsibility to steward Timothy's spiritual growth. Just as I know, as your pastor, I have a responsibility to, to walk with you and to help steward your spiritual growth as well. Think about the responsibility you have to steward the growth of others. And you and I have a responsibility to steward the growth of, of our, our young children, of our grandchildren. We have a responsibility to do the work of ministry around those that the Lord has entrusted to us. And we need to steward that well. And we should not take that lightly. Paul did not take that lightly. He wrote First and Second Timothy as discipleship books for Timothy, as well as for us. Notice also, we, we conclude this morning with Paul's praise. He, he, he concluded with these words, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul began this section of Scripture with thanksgiving, didn't he? He now closes with the doxology. Paul refers to Jesus as being the king of the ages. Within Jewish thought, he is ref referring to Jesus as being the king of the present age as well as the king of the age to come. Jesus is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. Jesus is eternal. And if you are here this morning, know that he created you for eternity also. He created you to know him. He died on the cross for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of those outside the doors of this church, for the sins of those that will be coming into this church today. He died for the sins of all people. He died and, we, and he was placed in a grave. But that grave could not hold him. And death, we know, would not be the final world. word. Jesus conquered death. 
and he provided a way for you and I to conquer death as well. If you repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus, then you will be promised, as I have been promised in Scripture, that we will experience eternal life with God the Father. If you do not know Jesus this morning, then I want to invite you to come in just a moment and make the greatest decision that you could ever make. To come and repent of your sins and to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised Jesus from death to life three days after he was placed in that borrowed tomb. I pray this morning that all of us in this room will recognize the importance of, 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 of remembering what Jesus Christ has done in our life. W.A. Criswell shared this illustration. He said a little boy was taken out of a poverty-stricken home. He was afflicted with malnutrition, and he was placed in a hospital. One morning, a nurse brought this little hungry boy a tall glass of milk. And when she placed it in the little boy's hands, he started to drink. And then he stopped, and he looked up at that nurse, and he said, Nurse, how much may I drink? This boy was one of many children from a very poor home. And any time this boy would receive a glass of milk, he would have to share it with all of his siblings. And so he asked that nurse, How deep may I drink? And the nurse replied, my child, to the full, all of it. I want you to know that you and I, too, are able to drink to the full all of God's goodness this morning. Let's drink it up this morning. Let's drink up and remember what we were saved from. Let's drink up and remember what we were saved unto. And let's drink up and remember that we serve a good God that wants us to make him known wherever it is that we might go. Verse 17 again says, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, you come this morning. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning. Father, we do thank you for, for saving us. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, from rescuing us from the collision course with hell that we once were on. Father, thank you for saving us. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for the testimony that you have given us. And Father, I pray that every single one of us in this room will want other people that do not know you to experience your goodness just as we have. May we be obedient by going to them and sharing with them the good news of salvation. I pray this morning if there's someone in this room that does not know you, that today will be the day of their salvation. For in Jesus' name we pray.